We're starting a new series today, and uh, I've got to plow some ground uh, as we go forward, but uh, you can keep your Bibles close. I'm going to be referring to a lot of scripture uh, at different points during this message, but uh, we're talking about, we're entitling this series, The Breath of God. And uh, I grew up, I, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. My, uh, my grandfather was a patriarch. My grandmother, they made sure uh, we heard about Jesus. My mother and dad were uh, believers. I grew up in a Christian home. However, I, am, uh, I grew up in the, um, I was, I'm 64, so I grew up in the uh, 60s and 70s. In the 60s, growing up in Christian home, uh, there was only one English translation of the scriptures, and that was the King James Version. I have nothing against the King James Version, but that's all there was. And, uh, and in fact, uh, many of you still use KJV today, and that's perfectly good. As a kid growing up with the Bible you had, I couldn't understand it. I, I, the old, old English, I just could not grasp. And it wouldn't be until my teen years that the Living Bible came out, which altered my life. But uh, I grew up with KJV and uh, uh, many preachers would use the old English when they taught because they would use biblical language. And as a young kid, one that term that was used, and it's still used today, was the term Holy Ghost. And, and uh, so you're a kid and you go to church and you're hearing about the Holy Ghost. And in my mind, there was only two thoughts that came with Ghost. Uh, one was Casper, the friendly ghost, and I'm thinking, uh, surely the Holy Ghost is like Casper, the friendly ghost. Uh, the other one was a fear factor that uh, this ghost was out for my soul and and this kind of thing. You you understand because several of you grew up in that day, and uh, so. And, and the Holy Ghost was really not talked about uh, that much. And it confused me as a kid because uh, uh, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I want to know anything about a Holy Ghost uh, that was there. And not only me, but I didn't hear much and I figured... He must be safe, but uh, I just, I don't hear much about him. I love, I love God the Father. I love God the Son. But God the Holy Spirit, uh, I just couldn't figure out, was he that big a deal? And when I entered my teens, um, like I say, I, I was able to get a copy of the scriptures that I understand understood better for me at the time and I had friends that attended other streams of the Christian faith uh, 
and I, I might go to church with them or I would talk with them. And, I, I, and in fact, uh, I've been so blessed to have people from uh, different streams of the faith. In fact, we had 60 pastors together for lunch on Wednesday, Round Rock pastors from all different streams. And I love to get up in front of them and say, you know, I believe there's one church in Round Rock, just different expressions. And we have a diverse God, and I love the multifaceted expressions of the faith. Uh, so I had friends that grew up in different uh, expressions. And the Holy, Holy Ghost uh, became known as the Holy Spirit, and he was much more um, talked about in these churches. And uh, they, these con uh, congregations uh, were different than the expression I had. And the Holy Spirit was real in these churches and somewhat radical. Uh, there would be visible manifestations, so to speak, uh, such as raising of the hands, which wasn't done in my church at that time, or shouting or ecstatic utterances or uh, rolling on the carpet, slamming the sp uh, spirit kind of stuff. And I figured if the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit were real, I, I wanted to ask him, have your way with me. I want to I wanna be fully uh, involved in you, God, and if this is part of it, just just let me know, and I will I will look a, a foolish for you if need be. And as I prayed that prayer, I got no ecstatic utterance. Uh, I never fell on the carpet uh, except uh, now that I have I'm crippled. I, I have many of you have seen me fall on the carpet. Uh, I never shouted. I, I didn't dance around. And I figured either the Holy Spirit wasn't real because I didn't have these manifestations or I didn't have him. Then I developed a hunger for the things of Jesus. I mean, truly a hunger. And out of this hunger, I got into the scriptures and I truly found out about this Holy Spirit. And my life was radically forever altered. Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 11 says this. And you, you might want to just write these scriptures down. They'll be up there. Because uh, I, I, I'm going to be jumping around. Romans 8, 11 says this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead inhabits those followers of Jesus. And all of a sudden, this became a reality to me that the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, inhabits me. 
And my hunger and thirst for things of God seemed to go to another level. My spiritual fire increased even though I didn't show the experiences of outward manifestation that others had experienced. And I, I started learning about this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that indwelt me. Um, in fact, if you were to go to my library you would see on my bookshelves many books on the Holy Spirit. In fact, but I've gone digital like many of you. And if you were to go into my Kindle right now, I, I, I put them in my collections. I have 40 books on the Holy Spirit. And then I have uh, everything just about that A.W. Tozier ever wrote or taught because he's... Uh, He's on my Mount Rushmore of pastors, and he talked a lot about the Holy Spirit, and he was a very um, cut and dried, not an emotional kind of guy. So I, I just started absorbing everything I could about the Holy Spirit. And uh, with that, I began uh, to see my heart inflamed for the things of God even more. And then I started noticing... Uh, people that I call the real deal. You know, those, uh, those people that just seem to have an intimate walk with God. Their lives were winsome and peaceful, and their walk with Jesus was genuine and authentic. They were more than churchgoers. They were more than just good moral people. They were people that seemed to have it. And uh, I found myself desiring more of Jesus in my life. I was truly hungering and thirsting for this righteousness that the scriptures talk about. It, it just became alive in my life. So we're going to be talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. And we're calling this series The Breath of God. I love that. The Breath of of God. And I want us to go to the scriptures and to get an accurate view of the Holy Spirit. I think we've been uh, shown an accurate view sometimes. I want to go to the scriptures and talk about this breath of God. But notice one thing uh, right up front. When I've referred to the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, and I will refer to him as the Holy Spirit. I do not say it, but I say him. He is not an it. He is part of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is not an it. And somebody's going to say, Mark, explain one God Three expressions as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Listen, you're not going to fully understand that till you're present with the Father. I, I, I hate to tell you that. I can give you illustrations. I can try to explain it. I just know that God chose to reveal himself in three distinct persons as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All have existed. All have existed throughout time, and all are God. So the Holy Spirit 
is God. And, and we get to uh, grasp the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Now, God the Father, we understand. We know that he is the creator of life, the sustainer of life. God the Son, we understand. He's our redeemer. He is our savior. He's the lover of our soul. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're often confused. He is often referred to as the forgotten God. In fact, Francis Chan wrote a book called The Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit. But I want you to grasp this. He is so important in your daily life and he is your life source. Um, I, I thought about this, and when I was a kid, there was a te television show called Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Some of you may remember that. They were uh, a submarine, and they were always under the sea, obviously. But uh, deep sea divers, I was thinking about deep sea divers. I, I, I got a, a picture of a deep sea diver. And you'll notice in that picture, he has a connection to the ship or boat or whatever that is on the surface, and he's down deep. And that uh, cord or that uh, uh, contraption is sometimes called a red and umbilical cord. In, a, in fact, it uh, brings the gases and the air down to the deep sea diver that he needs to live. It also is a way for him to communicate back with the ship that is there. And I thought, what better way to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in that he is our umbilical cord to the Father and that we receive the nourishment and we receive the communication for him on an ongoing basis. And sometimes people say, oh, Mark, here you are talking on the Holy Spirit. Why don't we talk about something that's relative like parenting or, or money or marriage or our job and this kind of thing. Or let's deal with the culture and, and the problems that we're facing. I want you to know, I believe that if believers started walking with the filling of the Holy Spirit, we would see a difference in this area, in your marriage, in your financing, in your parenting, in your job, in your school. Listen, the Holy Spirit is more relative than anything you're going to read in your newspaper today. And so I want you to grasp that. And, and the question, many people come with what? What is the Holy Spirit? What does he want to do in our lives? What, what, what? I, I'm not going to answer all your what questions. I want to deal with the question of why. Why did God reveal himself through the Holy Spirit in the life of us as believers? And um, there's two questions that I want to try to deal with. Why do I feel compelled to share with you about the Holy Spirit? And then secondly, why do I think he is so vital to our spiritual health, both as an individual and a, as a congregation? Here's my wives. 
there's three of them. Number one is this. I, I look around today and I see so many so-called Christ followers who are living subpar spiritual lives. I see many people who call themselves followers of Jesus, Christians, Christ follower, who are living such subpar spiritual lives. They are trying to flesh out, keep rules, keep laws. The daily, they're fleshing out their daily walk with Christ. There's very little hunger for the things of God. We hunger for the things we want, but we don't hunger for the things of God. Um, we seem to live, live just barely above the world when it comes to purity and morality. Uh, there's so much compromising that we see in our world today. I see so many Christian marriages that are hanging by a thread today. I see worry and anxiety and hopelessness. Addictions seem to be as prevalent among Christ followers as those who do not embrace Christ. In other words, there seems to be no difference or very little difference between Christians and non-Christians in our culture. I, I just see this. I, I see it and, and you're thinking, Mark, you're a little judgmental. It's just fruit inspection. It's just out there. Uh, we see it. So here's the second why. There seems to be a lack of spiritual power and fervor in churches and individual Christ followers. There seems to be a lack of spiritual power and fervor in churches and individual Christ followers. The things that I read in the scripture about the New Testament church and the first century church that were normal for them seem odd and radical for us today. Our love for God and people lack fervency. The, there's a catch word today that many counselors and people use. It's a catch word in our culture today. And the word is narcissist. A narcissist is a person who everything's about me, right? It, it's about me. It's how it affects me. It's about me. And I'm afraid we live in a day of Christian narcissism. It's all about me. We, 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 we just think in terms of me instead of the kingdom, instead of a broader uh, aspect of what is taking place. So here's my third why. Today, the world does not crave what we have as believers. The, we've lost the ability for our world to ask why. And the world does not crave. I read the New Testament and I see thousands of believers or I see 
people that are hearing the gospel and they start seeing what is taking place among other believers and they want that so badly. Uh, the love of the Spirit and the lives of Christ followers ought to be so contagious that the world will long for what we have or try to snuff it out. And I know somebody's going to say, well, the world is trying to snuff out the Christian life. Yes, but are they longing for what we have? Is the reason that they're trying to snuff it out is because we're just not loving and what we're doing? Or is it truth? Or, or what in that area? I, I love... 1 Corinthians 14, uh, and I'm going to read a, a verse out of that chapter. This is a chapter that Paul is writing to the church because they were confused about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about uh, ecstatic utterances in 12. He talks about love in 13. And the chapter 14, he talks about worship in the corporate setting. And he starts talking about these prophetic words, words of prophecy that come from the Holy Spirit and show the presence of God among the people. And this is what he said. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. He's saying unbelievers. As the secrets of the, the unbelievers' hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Does this happen today? People will walk out of here and some will say, man, I'm glad they sang that song today. Or the music was too loud. Or they will say, Mark was kind of boring. He went too long today. Or uh, that was a good illustration. Or did you see what they were wearing? Or they, they will walk out of here and they will think and their perception will be on what pleased them instead of what pleased God. And we will, we will orchestrate a service and God help us if it ever comes to we're, we're trying to please you instead of pleasing our Heavenly Father. And so the, we live in a day where Christians are, the world is not craving what we have. My time today will not permit, I'm plowing a lot of ground. We're going to deal with this over weeks into the future. But I want to deal with one thing uh, today, and that's the breath of God. Uh, I'm not big on using Greek and Hebrew words, but there are two words I want you to grasp today. You got to understand, the Holy Spirit was as much in the Old Testament as he was in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit has forever been, just like the Father and Son have forever been. But in the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language. And the word uh, is ruach, okay? Um, ruach means breath or wind, and that's spirit. So when the Old Testament refers to the spirit, it's talking about either wind or the breath of God. And in the New Testament, 
the word is pneuma. The word for spirit is pneuma. Uh, P-N-E-U-M-A. Uh, pneuma is, uh, we get pneumonia. It, it deals with breathing issues. And uh, it, the pneuma also refers to either breath or wind. So when you hear the term spirit or you read the term spirit, it literally means the breath of God. And I want to look at this just a moment because I want you to know when you became a follower of Jesus, you received the breath of God. Now, let's look at this in the scriptures. Let's go back to the very beginning with Adam in the garden. Genesis 2 verse 7 says this. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Man was created from dust but what makes man different from a tiger or a lion or a kangaroo or, or any other created being? It's the breath of God. It's the uh, relationship that the Father established with man. He was created by God to live in union and fellowship with God. And along as he was inhabited by the breath of God, the spirit of God, he remained in that fellowship. However, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They rebelled. And notice what the scripture says in Genesis 3, 8. It says this, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? Now, let me explain this. They have rebelled. They have sinned against uh, uh, the holy God. They used to have an intimate relationship that was like walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And all of a sudden, they've rebelled. That intimacy is broken. And God himself comes and says, where are you? Now, duh, we're thinking, you're all-knowing God and you don't know where they are. You lost them. And that's not the case. Literally, what he is saying is, why are you not where you're supposed to be? You see, they had rebelled. He created them for intimacy, and he revealed himself by the breath of God, the very spirit of God. But that broke in their rebellion. And what happened was, why are you not where you're supposed to be? Listen, every person, man, woman, male, female, that has been born since has been born in rebellion against God. Eight billion people were approaching on this planet. Eight billion people were born in rebellion against God. And unless something happens that the breath of God uh, comes upon us, we will continue in that rebellion. 
Man was bent to be close to God, but sin had distanced him from God, and every human sense has been in this rebellious nature. Let's go on. The nation of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 37. The nation of Israel is God's chosen people, okay? The Jews. And uh, they, were cre- they were created to have intimacy with God. They came out of Egypt. They went into the promised land eventually. They were supposed to live in intimacy with uh, God the Father in the uh, promised land, right? You know this. Um, But what happened, they rebelled against God because of sin. The intimacy was broken. And so God allowed them to be taken into exile. The Assyrians and then the Babylonians, okay? And so what happened is Ezekiel, the prophet, has this word from God and he has this vision from God and he's looking out at this valley and in this valley is a valley of dry bones. And God starts showing him the vision that this dry bones is going to stand up and start rattling and coming together. The leg bones connected to the ankle bone and you can sing the song. And so then they have sinews and muscles and skin. And so all of a sudden, then God speaks to Ezekiel and said, prophesy to the wind, to prophesy to the breath to come upon, and then a mighty army arose out of those bones. Well, what the scriptures is referring to is the spirit and breath of God coming upon the nation of Israel, and they will be uh, uh, an incredible group of, of people. But we know that they continue to live in rebellion, and that intimacy was broken. So, the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was real. Now, I want to deal with one more. And this is in John's Gospel. I want to deal with the disciples. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, and uh, uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's meeting with the disciples, and then he speaks to them. And this is in uh, chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, notice he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So Jesus has risen from the dead and he takes his disciples and he breathes on him to say, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe with everything that's in me, the person of faith who comes to Jesus Christ and repents of their sins and and desires to follow after Christ, he breathes his life of the Holy Spirit into you. Okay, you cannot be um, born again. You cannot come to a relationship with God, a right relationship, unless the Spirit inhabits you and brings that umbilical cord, so to 
so to say, with the Father. Okay? I want you to grab that because uh, you're going to hear various teachings on the Holy Spirit. And you can't read the scriptures without saying that, that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You cannot, you cannot approach God in your intellect. Unless the Spirit of God draws you, you cannot experience Him. Okay? So many people have tried the intellect and they've fallen short. God chooses to reveal by His Spirit. So Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into His disciples. They would be forever transformed. And I believe God's breath of God longs to dwell in his people. And we'll see in the days ahead how that Acts chapter 2, that when the Holy Spirit manifested himself and birthed the church, he came in the sound of a mighty rushing wind. You remember? The Holy Spirit is breath and wind of God. I want to ask the worship team just to come up just a moment. And I want to uh, kind of pull this together if I could. And, and, and you may be here today and you're thinking, man, this sounds like Twilight Zone. I'm just telling you the truth. I, the Spirit of God wrote this book. And so, I, I believe it. But uh, I, I was one of those guys. I, I know some of you fall into this just like I do. You know, God, I want you, man. I, I don't want to miss in my earth suit anything you intended to have for me. If it's, if it's an utterance, God, give it to me. If it's dancing around, if it's whatever... Uh, God, I, I want it because I, I want the real deal. I want to be the real deal. I, I don't want to be some uh, make-believe Christian and, and uh, this kind of thing. And I was praying that prayer. And I remember uh, just standing right here where Pam and I uh, sat. And it was a Sunday morning. I had been earnestly praying that prayer. God, uh, you know, I just want... I want whatever you have for me. But that particular morning, I just felt I was carrying the burden of people. I was feeling the anxiety of people. I was just hurting for people that morning. And uh, it was like the Spirit just revealed to me, I, not in an audible voice, but kind of speaking in my mind. And, and uh, he said... Uh, uh, basically this to me. I don't want to sound hocus pocus. But in Isaiah 53, it's the prophecy of the suffering servant Jesus that has come. And the scripture says this. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with great grief. And all of a sudden the spirit impressed upon me. Mark, if you want to walk in my spirit, you're going to feel what Jesus felt. You're going to hurt for people. 
You're going to care for them. You're going to love them. There are going to be times they're going to let you down. But if you're going to feel the heart of Jesus, that's what my spirit is. The spirit is the spirit of Jesus indwelling us. The scriptures talk about, and we'll deal with this more, that the Holy Spirit is the seal upon believers. And that's kind of foreign concept to us. But you know, uh, you seal an envelope, you seal the deal right when you close the deal. And is, But one of my favorites is that the king who takes his ring and it seals a document. And when he seals that document, he says, I own this and I have authority here. And what the Holy Spirit does in the life of believers, you got to know this. You are sealed by the authority and ownership of the all-loving creator, God. Thank you. 